We're in this series called 360 Degree Life. What does it look like if we were able to see all our blind spots, let God speak into those blind spots, and we actually, again, grow in 2022? I want to start reading from Psalm 139, the book of Psalms. Who's ready to read the book of Psalms? All right. Psalm 139. And normally we read from the English Standard Version, uh, but today I want to read from the Message Version. And the message version says this, and, and, and for all us veteran Christians, we, we know the beginning of this verse. We've heard this verse say, search my heart, O God. But in the message version, it says this, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross, examine, and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about, that 360-degree life. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road of eternal life. Search my heart, O oh God. If you're ready to learn today, say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, but on your way down, compliment the person. Say, you look good in this lighting. Has this nice little dim lighting here, right? Don't see all the blemishes. And if you're anything like me, People are like, oh, man, you came dressing, you know, just pretty nice today, Pastor Mike. I just wore all black because it's slimming, because I'm recovering from the holidays. Come on, somebody. Who's recovering with me? Right? You got your, all your dark stuff out there. But um, we're talking about this 360-degree life, and we're asking God today. The title today is Search My Heart, Oh God. Search My Heart, Oh God. Hey, what's up, Doc? Um, sorry, I, I missed the last couple appointments. I'm sorry, what's that? Yeah, I know I, I made the appointment, but I, I, I missed them. Sorry. You know, life, COVID, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but I'm here. I'm here today, and I wanted to talk to you, Doc, uh, about something pretty serious. I wanted to talk to you about this, this lump I have in my armpit. And before you say anything, don't worry about it. I did what every good American did, and I Googled it. Yep, I Googled it, and, and, and this is what, what I, I came up with. Um, I think it's just my body fighting an infection. My cousin, my cousin said it was a hormonal thing because, you know, now I just, you know, I'm post-40 now, and that kind of stuff happens. Uh, WebMD said it's cancer, but we're going to ignore that, right, God? Um, and so, so we're just going to, this is what we're going to do. You're going to prescribe uh, some penicillin going to prescribe some penicillin, some antibiotics. Um, you know, I'll get them at the Walgreens right there on 73. I'll come back and see you in two weeks. No, not two weeks. Let's say 10 days, five days. I'll come back and see you in five days, and then we'll see uh, what we're going to do next. Is that cool, Doc? Yeah? Awesome. Hey, it's so good to see you, Doc. You're a good Doc. It's who you are. It's who you are. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? That if we would go to the doctor's office and present our case that way and come in with a, what I would call a, a self-diagnosis of your issues. Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't that ridiculous? Yet if I'm honest with you, in my life and probably in your life, we kind of do that in our prayer life. We come to the great physician. We come to the doc. We set up appointments. 
We set up time to talk to him and to pray to him. And we come in with this self-diagnosis. Okay, God, here's my problem, and this is what you're going to do about it. Self-diagnosis. Rather than doing what King David wrote when he wrote this, this psalm, search my heart, O God. Isn't that crazy? And in the beginning of the chapter, we started on verse 23, but in the beginning of the chapter, he starts off with this concept of searching. And this is what he said in, in, in right in the beginning in verse 1. He says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. So we see that, like, then all the way down in verse 23, he says, search my heart, oh, God. And so We don't understand the original Hebrew language, but if we could understand it in its context, he wasn't asking God to search his heart for the first time because he said it in the first verse. In fact, what he's really saying is this. I'm not asking you to search my heart, oh God, for the first time. I'm not giving you license or the authority or access to finally see what I'm all about because the Bible says that he already knows. He knows so what is, what is David really asking? What is King David really asking when he says, search my heart, oh God? This is what he's doing. When he says, search my heart, oh God, he's not asking. He's removing the audacity he has to self-diagnose himself. And he's saying, God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to diagnose me because I'm removing the privilege I have to self-diagnose myself. Search my heart, oh God. And I'm hoping and praying that today that we understand that, that this is the problem with self-diagnosis, that self-diagnosis will always lead to self-sabotage. I'm preaching better than you're responding today. I know all my loud people are sick today, but can, you, can, can, I, can I get some pinch hitters right now, right? Can you be loud for them on my behalf here today? And that self-diagnosis will lead us to self Sabotage. So the problem with self-diagnosis is that we, um, it's it's hard, it's difficult, and it's something that we're so used to, but we need to get used to something else. We need to get used to what would it look like if we just let the great physician, God, do what he needs to do, to do what he needs to do. But here's the problem with self-diagnosis. The problem with self-diagnosis is the first thing. I'm going to quote my man Gary Vee. Anybody familiar with Gary Vee? very popular on social media. I, don't, I wouldn't promote him uh, for, for edification purposes, <laughs> but he does have some good business knowledge. And he said this once. He said, self-awareness is scary as crap. He didn't use the word crap. Self-awareness is a scary thing. That's the problem with self-diagnosis because it requires you to first be self-aware. And for some of us, being completely self-aware is very scary because you have to now start admitting certain things in your life that you haven't admitted in a really long time or ever. Can I get a big amen? All right. So some of y'all thought, oh, you wanted a good, feel good message today. Sorry, we're going to do some work today. You're going to learn today, people. All right. So, so the problem with self-diagnosis is that self-awareness is scary. The second problem with self-diagnosis is that there's a difference between doing the easy thing and doing the right thing. And when we self-diagnose ourselves, if I'm honest, we pick the easy thing sometimes over the right thing, right? So because when you are the authority of your own issue, it's rare that you will not fight 
the temptation, the temptation to pick the, the path of least resistance, right? When, when we are the authority of our issues. And that's why self, self-diagnosis is, is, so, is so the first thing that we go to because then I'm, if I'm the authority, that means I get to pick the easy way over the right way. Self-diagnosis is also a problem because I believe this, that self-assessment without self-awareness is self-destructive bars. Self-assessment without self-awareness is self-destructive. Some people are like, I know what my problem is. No, you don't. Because if you knew it was a problem, you would want to solve that problem. Okay? You, you don't know what your problem is. You know the thing that you're willing to tolerate in order to pick easy over right. Hello? I'm preaching to myself. You're like, he's preaching to me. No, I'm not. I'm preaching to myself. But you could join in with me. All right. Self-assessment without self-awareness is self-destructive. The other problem with self-diagnosis, and you're not going to like this one, is that sometimes uh, we believe our own lies. And it's difficult for you to lead yourself if you're also lying to yourself. Woo! I don't know why you're not writing this down. This is so good. It's so true. And I know it hurts and the truth hurts, but the truth also sets us free. There are times that we buy our lies, don't we? There are times we sit there and say, I know, I know this isn't healthy for me to eat, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because <laughs> we buy into the lie that, hey, we got a really long time here on this planet Earth. No, you don't. Life is precious, but we buy, we believe our own lies, all right? The self-diagnosis is a problem because some of us, some of us are on the other side of the spectrum is that we're all truth and no grace, Meaning that some of us, when you self-diagnose yourself, you beat yourself up. We're my people that are really hard on themselves when they're failing. Really hard on themselves when they're not making any headway, right? You're all truth and no grace to yourself. And listen, you can't love someone you don't, you can't lead someone you don't love. And that includes yourself. And some of us, you're trying to lead yourself into a better place, into a better domain, into the next level of your life but you don't love yourself yet because you're all truth and no grace. And this, these are all the problems with self-diagnosis. Are y'all getting anything already? These are the problems with self-diagnosis. But what if, what if we took the posture of King David, got with God, for real, for real, got with God and said, okay, God, search my heart. Investigate me. Examine me. Tell me everything about myself, God. And I'm going to actually let you answer. So I'm going to ask you a question that involves a lot of other questions. And this is the question. The question is, what what would God say to you if you were willing to ask these questions? You ready? Here here are some of the questions. The first question is, what would you, if you sat down with God and truly asked him, okay, God, what do you want to work on in this season? And then let him answer. I know what I want to work on in this season. I, I, I could tell you what you should work on in this season. But what would it look like if we got, got with God one-on-one, alone time, no distractions, and say, okay, God, what do you want to work on in this season? You might find, you might find that maybe you're right on what you want to work on. But for me... <laughs> 
9.5 times out of 10, I'm wrong. God wants to work on something else. I think he wants to work on my leadership. Then when I sit there and I go to God, God, what do you want to work on? He says, no, 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 I want to work on your insecurity. Ooh, I don't want to work on that. Let's just work on my leadership. That's, that's the thing that's going to help, help me move forward in my life, right? But God, what do you want to work on this season? My insecurity. Ah, come on. We did that last season. I know. But to sit back and say, okay, God, you answer this. I'm not going to answer it for you. We love filling in the blanks for God. We love doing that. But what would it look like? What would our self-awareness look like if we let God answer that question? God, what do you, I know what I want to work on. What do you want to work on in the season? What if we ask him this question? God, what do you want to heal? What do you want to heal? And some of you super Christians in the room might go, he wants to heal everything. Slow down. He does, but he's a God that works on progression, and he's a God that understands our capacity. There was a time when the Apostle Paul, he was praying for God to remove this pain in his life, but God was trying to heal Paul's self-sufficiency so that he could learn more of God's sufficiency in his life. So he kept that pain there just to teach him that principle. And I think in our lives, if we sit there and say, okay, God, you need to heal this. And so sometimes we just need to, t- we need to allow God to say, I'm not worried about that right now. I'm worried about this. What would it look like for our self-awareness if we say, God, what do you want to heal? Here's another question. What if we ask God, God, what do you, you want me to leave alone right now? Woo. All the control freaks don't like that one. God, what do you want me to leave alone right now? And maybe for, for some parents here, you know, especially with older kids, it, there might be times, I actually was just having a conversation a couple weeks ago with a parent about this, that, that hey, have you asked God? And he, what did God tell you? My God, God told me to leave my kids alone. But they're my kids, God. I know, but what, what would God answer? What would God say if you would ask him, what do you want me to leave alone right now? Here's another question. What would it look like for our self-awareness if you ask God, what do you want to get rid of in my life? Whew. What do you want to get rid of in my life? That's scary because some of us, we're, we're spiritual hoarders. We don't want to get rid of anything, right? But God wants to come in and just clean house. He wants to do a spring cleaning in the winter. Come on, somebody. But to sit there and ask him, God, what do you want to get rid of? Have you ever asked? If I'm honest with you, it's, I've never asked God that question. Until I'm writing this message, I've never asked God that question. What do you want to get rid of in my life? And let him answer. And here's the last question. What do you want to build? What do you want to build in my life, God? I'm asking you, what do you want to get rid of? But then what are the things you want to build on? What are the things you want to build with? All of these questions are questions that we need to let God answer. Because self-diagnosis will lead us to self-sabotage. 
And this is the year that you're going to grow in Jesus' name. And so hopefully you find yourself in a collective this week. If you don't know what collectives are, collectives are communities of 20-plus people that get together for community care and challenge. And, and once a week they have something called a meetup, which some of them meet physically and others meet online, uh, and some both. But, but this week they're going to get together and they're going to have these conversations. They're going to help us out in fleshing these out. So I'm hoping and praying that you, you wrestle before the meetup but also in the meetup uh, of what, how would God want to answer some of these questions? Because self-diagnosis is found all the time in church. And what self-diagnosis then creates, it creates these fallacies that as a community, we believe in because it sounds right, but it's completely wrong. And can I help you out? Doesn't that sound like the devil? The devil loves to sound right, but is completely wrong. The devil will quote scripture. The devil can speak Christianese better than you can. And, and so that's what we've done. We, we've allowed self-diagnosis to create a culture within the church, and then that has created these fallacies that we live on. And I want to talk about three today um, real quick before we close our time, because I believe that the real work's going to happen when you get alone with God. Can I get an amen? So the, thank you, Jen. Clap a little more. Clap louder. Lead, lead that. Lead that movement. Lead that movement. I just asked you to clap to get a drink break. That's a preacher's tip right there. Anybody looking to preach, get somebody to clap and take a sip. Here's some possible fallacies um, that we have in our walk with Jesus. You ready? Y'all going to hate this and love it at the same time. The first fallacy when we say something like, I need to read more scripture in 2022. I need to read more scripture in 2022. That's a fallacy, Pastor Mike? Yeah, you want to know why? It might be a fallacy because, again, that's what we think. We think what's going to get us on the right track is just to read more. And I will sit there and I'll say, maybe, maybe that's what God wants you to do. But don't let that be a self-diagnosis. Let that be a God diagnosis. And, and what we really need to do is step it up in not necessarily our biblical literacy. A couple years ago, somebody was like, really like pressing me on the fact, Pastor Mike, you know, the church is really failing in biblical literacy. People don't know scripture anymore. People don't know, you know, books of the Bible anymore and all this other stuff. And like, maybe, 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 maybe that is an issue. But I'm more concerned with biblical intimacy than I am with biblical literacy. Because I've grown up in church and have, have encountered people who knew scripture really, really well, and they still didn't know Jesus. And in John chapter 1, it says, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh. The Word equals Jesus. And so if I'm really growing in my knowledge of the Word, then I'm also growing in my knowledge of Jesus. I'm not just memorizing stuff. I'm not just quoting in order to condemn someone. I am embodying the word, which means that I am representing Jesus in this lifetime if I'm really getting in the word with a capital W. Because this is what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Verse 20 goes, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
All right. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That means that did we not preach? Did we not read the scriptures every year? We did, went to the Bible in a year. We, we, we signed up for Awana. We signed up for Sunday school. We did all this stuff. We cast out demons in your name, did mighty works in your name. And then this is what Jesus says. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Yo, isn't that wild that these are some, what we would consider solid church people, and Jesus says, I never knew you. Because is it possible that we could know the word lowercase w and not know the word capital W, which means Jesus, and walk around? Again, people could put Bible verses on picket signs, but they still don't represent Jesus. And, and the church is more known for what we're against more than what we're for. Because people say, I just need to read more. No, you need to know Jesus more. You need to know Jesus more because Jesus equals the word. So if the word, if all the word produces in your life, get this, please get this. If all the word does produce in your life is condemnation and shame, it's not Jesus. If it produces love and freedom, that's totally Jesus. 2022, we're going to become Pentecostal. I feel it. Jesus equals his word. So maybe, yes, we need to read more, but read more with the intention of getting to know who God is. Not just checking off a religious box or feeling like you're earning God's favor. God loves you and he likes you. Get to know him now. He loves you and he likes you. It's time to get to know him now. Here's another fallacy that the church is hit with. I need to do more or the opposite, I need to do less. Some people be rolling into 2022. My resolution is just to do more or do less. And my answer to that is maybe. Maybe you need to do more or do less. But again, is that a self-diagnosis or is that a God diagnosis? Search me, O oh God. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So we're real quick to self-diagnose ourselves, right? I need to do more. I need to, I need to serve more. I need to do this. And, and you push yourself to, to the end of yourself, to the end of your capacity, and that's a self-diagnosis. Or the opposite, I need to do less. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is gonna be my year of no. No is gonna be my favorite word, Pastor Mike. No, this is gonna be my year of no. I'm just gonna do a lot less. And here's my answer to that. Here's my rebuttal. Rather than saying yes or no, what if we just said, hey God, you know what? You give grace to your pace. Let God give grace to his pace. God, today, do you want me to do more or do you want me to do less? Because us as humans, we're very complex things. We, we're not just on and off. There's some days where I'm happy and there's some days where I'm just pissed. Can I say that in church? There, there's some days where, where I'm just, I'm chill, I'm chill. And then there's some days where I'm just extremely anxious. 
So there's some days maybe I do need to do less, and there's some days maybe I do need to do more, but I need to not let it be a self-diagnosis. I need to let it be a God diagnosis. Because unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. So in church, here's what I've seen. I've seen people sideline themselves. Listen to me on this one. Because you're, either you're leaving a season, in a season, or, or, or you're going to be in a season where you want to sideline yourself. This happens a lot on the worship team, on the creative arts team. Have people come up and they'll go, and I'm not bad-mouthing anyone. I love you, and this is why I'm challenging us as a church on, on what happens. You'll see people go, you know what? I need to sideline myself because I'm up here and I'm singing, and, and, and I'm not believing what I'm singing. I'm struggling in my faith right now, so I'm going to sideline myself. So they sit out. They take a break. Where are my friends' fans at? It was a break! Some of you don't know what the heck I just said, but that's okay. It's not for you. <laughs> right? But, but they take a break. They sideline themselves. But here's the problem. They, because it's a self-diagnosis, they sideline themselves into isolation. They do. And I slowly, anytime somebody takes a break, if, if I'm not careful and I'm not watching or our leadership's not watching, they sideline themselves into isolation. And eventually, they don't just leave the worship team. They leave their faith. And I know that the big thing right now, the trendy thing right now is faith deconstruction. But faith deconstruction without reconstruction is just destruction. And so they walk away from the faith entirely. Why? Because this is what the enemy knows. The enemy knows that if I could get you alone, then I got you. So we sideline ourselves into isolation. And so maybe that's true. Maybe that, hey, man, you need to work on your heart right now. But let that be a God diagnosis. And this is what I believe God will do. God, when we go to God and God wants to give us rest, this is what the Bible says. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. This is Jesus talking. So this is in the red. He says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice this. Jesus wants to give you rest. But rest never involves complete disconnection. Write that down. Rest never involves complete disconnection. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. And we think getting rest means complete disconnection. And that's the problem because the once the enemy has you alone, he has you. He has you. So maybe you need to stop singing and playing. That's fine, but still show up to rehearsal. Still be in community. Still pray with them when they get to, at the end of rehearsal, when they get together and pray. Or, you know, maybe you need a break from, 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 from you know, collectives. That's fine. But, but still maintain one or two friendships within the collective if you need a break. But don't self-diagnose yourself into isolation because it doesn't work. Nor, nor don't burn yourself out leading on empty. Because that's the opposite extreme, isn't it? Oh, I need to do more. I need to show people that I'm, that I'm valuable. I need to show people that I'm all about the kingdom. I need to show everyone that I love Jesus. I need to do this. So I'm signing up for everything because I need to do more in 2022. But God gives grace to his pace. John 15, 5 says this, I'm the, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you want me to do more, God, I want to do it with you. If you want me to do less, God, I want to do it with you. 
Because apart from you, I can do nothing. And that fallacy comes in, that self-diagnosis. I need to do more or do less. I need to throw my hands up or I need to grab everything. God gives grace to his pace. Last fallacy I want to talk about this morning. And some of you are really going to throw the Bible at me today. The next fallacy is that some people just say, I just need to pray more. <laughs> I just need to pray more. So we say, that's the answer. I just need to pray more. I used to hate that. I just wanted to chop people in the throat when I was a young Christian. I got these problems. And, and when they said, I need, you need to just pray more about it, it's because they didn't have any advice. That was the go-to. You know what? Just, just need to pray more about it. I have nothing to say to you. You need to pray more. And yes, maybe you do need to pray more. But here's a shift. Prayer isn't always about you talking. So I do believe we need to pray more, but not pray in the traditional way. I think we need to listen more. I think we need to open up our ears and actually let God speak into our situation. Search my heart, oh God. And I'm not making this up. The book of Romans, where does faith come from? Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from talking a lot in my prayer, having paragraphs of prayer that I'm giving to God. A novel, today I'm going to give a novel to God. That's how my faith grows. Is that what the scripture says? Anybody paying attention? Bueller? Anyone? It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Matthew 4, 4 says this. Again, this is Jesus talking, and he, he told the enemy when the enemy was tempting him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our survival, our ability to thrive isn't found in us saturating our prayer life with just us talking. So I would actually say, yes, you need to pray more, but not in the traditional sense. I'm talking about some of us need to shut up. Sorry if there are any kids in the room. I know when my kids were little, like shut up was a bad word. <gasps> Ooh, he says shut up. It's anointed now. But I'm talking about when God needs us to shut up. And just to sit there, and it's awkward. It's way easier to fill up our time of prayer with just me talking. Way easier. And sometimes it requires an excessive amount of patience to sit back and, and wait and hear God answer these questions. But what would it really look like for our growth? What would it look like in your family, in your relationships? What, what kind of example would you set for your kids? If the only thing you said in your prayers this week were, God, what do you want to work on in this season? And then you wait, you wait and you let him answer. What would it look like in your heart if you said, God, what do you want to heal? What would it look like for the people around you if you honestly ask God, God, what do you want me to leave alone right now? God, what do you want me to get rid of? God, what do you want to build? And then to let him answer. You know what I believe? I believe, and this is kind of a little bit scary for me, but I believe that like, there's some people in this room that when you start asking God that question, God, what do you want to build? I believe that God has put a church in some of your hearts. 
that you're going you're gonna to go and start off and lead your own ministries and lead your own church or your own business or your new creative thing that no one has ever started with yet. And, and, and you might think, oh, man, that's scary, that's scary, that's scary. But, but let's not insult God with our smart thinking and our safe living. And let him answer the questions that we're going to bring to him this week. Search my heart, oh God. Investigate my life. Test me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because we need you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you could stand up. And to be honest with you, I don't even know exactly what God wants to do, but I'm going to create some space to let him, let him talk. We sang this song earlier, Do It Again. I believe that God has spoken to many of you in this room. Maybe not all of you, but many of you in this room. And I want you to believe that he could do it again. And so we're, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing and close up our service. But this time is already carved out for you, so, so be good stewards of it and utilize it wisely. And, and so while we're singing, if you need to sit down and just write some things down that God is putting on your heart, then do it. If you need to just close your eyes and press in and just give God space to speak to you right now, let's, let's utilize that time. But, but honestly, I just want the doc to do what the doc does. Let him to speak to everyone individually. Let's pray. Father, I'm not going to overspeak right now, God. Do what only you can do. And help us not fill in the blanks on your behalf. But we ask you, Father, to speak. Speak on your behalf. Talk to every single person watching this online and in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.